Welcome to the sermon podcast of Faith Lutheran Church in Oregon, Wisconsin, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ crucified and the promises of God that our faith clings to. For more information, visit us online at faithlutheranoregon.com. When a Christian dies, they leave two families behind. They leave behind their household, their kids, their spouse, their parents, their relatives. But they also leave another family behind, their church family. And hopefully the the faith of both of these families overlaps significantly, though it's not always the case. When I lived in Indiana at the church I attended, there was a lady who had been a faithful member of the church for many years. but it had been a, a few weeks, uh, maybe even a few months, uh, since, she had, uh, since she had been there. The new pastor, who had just gotten to the congregation, had begun uh, trying to make phone calls to introduce himself to his new congregation. And he found out that this lady had died. But her family, her relatives, didn't bother to tell the church that it had happened. They didn't want anything to do with the church, and they ended up going against their mother's or grandmother's wishes. They did not want a church funeral for their mother or grandmother. But this lady had two families. One that cared deeply about her, and the other that, frankly, cared more about themselves. And so the pastor, who who had never met this lady, held a funeral for her, for her family who loved her for her church. That the church is a family may sound trite. And we throw that that word family around when a church wants to emphasize that they're good with kids or that they're small and and they have a, a family feel to them. But there's something much deeper than that. This evening, we began with a collect or prayer that has been used for hundreds of years by the church on this day. Almighty God, we pray that you would graciously behold this, your family, for which our Lord Jesus Christ was content to be betrayed into the hands of wicked men and to suffer death upon the cross. We are, in this specific place, a family brought together by the death of Jesus. As Jesus is dying, his family by blood, his mother, uh, Mary's sister, uh, along with some of their closest friends, are below Jesus at the cross. Jesus, as God, had created Mary, his mother, and yet through Mary, Jesus had become man. Mary was the means by which God was brought forth to become family with human beings. And now, as true man born of Mary, Jesus is dying on the cross. For Mary, she knew this was coming. When Jesus was still a baby, at 40 days old, Simeon had prophesied to her, a sword will pierce your own soul too. When Jesus performed his first miracle at the wedding of Cana, uh, all the way back in John chapter 2, when he changed water into wine, Jesus said to his mother, My hour has not yet come. 
This is, without a doubt, the hour Jesus met. But as it is for us too, even though we know death is always coming for us and for those we love, that doesn't make it any less difficult. And so Jesus, seeing the sword piercing Mary's soul, looks on his mother with compassion. And seeing John, the only disciple who has stayed close by, the one disciple he, he loves, uh, he sees John nearby and he says to his mother, Woman, here's your son. And then he said to the disciple, Here's your mother. And from that time on, the disciple took her into his own home. This is an amazing example of, of how Jesus is fulfilling the fourth commandment, honoring his mother, even as he is dying on the cross. And it's an amazing example of the care that children should show to their parents and their family. From this, St. Paul writes, But if anyone does not provide for his own family, and especially for his own household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Our physical families are a blessing that Jesus honors even as he is dying. But there's something else Jesus is doing here that he foreshadowed when he spoke to his mother Mary at the wedding of Canaan. Jesus is about to leave his mother. When does a man leave his father and mother? When he is to be married. Just as God told Adam in Genesis 2, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Jesus, in his death, is about to become united to his bride. He is starting a new family, one united by the blood he is shedding. After Jesus has died, the soldiers come to make sure he's dead. At every other crucifixion, they would do this by breaking the man's legs to suffocate him if he wasn't dead. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and immediately blood and water came out. Blood? And water. These are the sacraments of the church. From blood and water, the church is born. In baptism, sinners are buried with Christ into his death to receive, like Christ, new life. Baptism is a washing in Jesus' blood. And what can be purer than such blood? What can be more health-giving than such a wound from Jesus' side? St. Augustine actually connects this to Noah's Ark, of all things. Noah's Ark had only one opening on its side. And through that one opening on the side of the Ark, all life went in and out. And while the waters were raging around outside of them inside, God kept the family safe. Eight people were saved through water. St. Peter says that this is the church, and he connects baptism to the flood. What command did God give Noah after he and his family had come out of the side of the ark? Be fruitful and multiply. Bring forth new life 
Also, too, was the first family created. The first woman was formed from the side of the first man, Adam, when he slept. God called her Eve, or the mother of all the living. And so now God forms the church, the bride of Christ, from Jesus' side while he sleeps. The church, like Eve before her, is the mother of all the living, of all the truly living. As an early church martyr, St. Cyprian said, you cannot have God as your father if you do not have the church or your mother. The church, the bride of Christ, is the mother of all the living, begetting new children at baptism. And we'll see more of this tomorrow. Sometimes, however, even families suffer from disunity, usually as a result of pride. How much of our time and our relationships here on earth are spent trying to impress one another or trying to look better than somebody else, even somebody within our own family, either our physical family or our church family? But the church family has a bond that no other family does. We are bound together, not through our blood, but Jesus. So no matter what we do, no matter how we have tarnished the family reputation, the family name, and we all have, we have been given God's own name in baptism. And therefore, Jesus is not ashamed to, to claim us, to call us family, as he himself saying. In the words of Psalm 22, I will declare your name to my brethren. In the midst of the assembly, I will praise you. This changes everything. This changes our view, our view towards one another. Because Jesus' blood is now mine. Jesus' blood is now yours. You and I have the same blood. And we see this by who comes to take Jesus' body down from the cross. Who comes by but Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a Pharisee who first showed up in John chapter 3, right after the wedding at Cana. There he came to Jesus at night because even though he believed, he, he didn't want to be seen. He didn't want his reputation stained or tarnished. He, he cared too much about what his family and friends thought. But remember what Jesus had told Nicodemus? Unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus then was thinking of an earthly birth from an earthly mother. Uh, how can this happen? I already have a family. I've already been born once. I can't be born again. But Jesus says to him, yes, you can, and I will do it. He says, unless someone is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Through Jesus' death, through pouring out his life-giving blood and water into baptism, he is creating a new Eve. He is forming the church with his own blood. And he has given you a rebirth into a new family, a family that will not die, indeed cannot die, a family that doesn't need to impress, but one that has already been made glorious by the robe of Jesus. You are made righteous through the blood of Jesus. 
And so ex-Pharisee Nicodemus, in front of everybody, proudly takes Jesus' body down. He has a new family, one born from above, bonded not by earthly blood, but by the blood of Christ. And this changes our view on life itself. Through the death of Jesus, the dead are raised to new life. Through the blood of Jesus given to us, we participate in his death. In baptism, you have already died. What can death or any other adversity, any other illness do to us? I have already died. I am bonded together by blood with one who is already risen. Today, even though we are brought here by the death of Jesus, it's no funeral. It's a wedding. And so every Christian funeral then, because we are now part of the family, the bride of Christ, is the same. By no means are we celebrating ever that person's life and achievements. How sad and lame an event that would be. Rather, Christian funerals are proclamations of the life they have received in Jesus. When you die, because God has graciously beheld this, his family, just as he beheld and looked at Mary, Christ will give you a home. Christ will take you as his own bride to his own home. Christ will not let anything happen to his family because you are truly his flesh and blood. We are his body. And not one bone will be broken. Not one will be lost. You will be restored to live with God. In Jesus' name, amen.